confirm that we're live. So I'm going to check the Facebook page. Very good, very good. Everything's looking sharp. And now I'm going to share to the world. Very good. And then I'm also going to be able to read comments. So that way people can interact with the show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carlos Phoenix with uh, theloungenetwork.com, and I'm also here representing the Georgia Latina Film Festival, which starts next week. So anybody who's in the Atlanta area, please be sure to go to G, uh, the org website and get tickets. We have a whole calendar of events happening on the website, and so just be, be sure to check that out. Uh, let me also make sure that I have my settings right here. Um, very good. So everything is great. So we are now live, and I have a special guest today. Uh, his name is Alan Mikey. Is that right? Yeah, Alan Mikey. Yeah, it's fine. Alan is good. Alan Mikey. How are you doing? Good. So let me. Uh -huh. So you're hearing like this ominous voice. I'm going to bring him on camera. Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm and so let me let me int properly introduce you. You are the you are a director, a uh, musician. Uh, you, do, you produce music as well. You do all sorts of talented things, and we're going to go into the story of your life, and I'm going to appreciate um, you kind of giving us a little bit of background about you. And uh, anybody who is watching, please start sharing and uh, let people know about this. Now, um, we kind of set this up pretty quick, and uh, so, but I wanted to at least give a chance for people to, to get to meet you, especially because we're going to be showing your film next week at the film festival. Yes, yes. Actually, you know, we're very excited for the announcement. I got a little bit of a late announcement myself uh, because of the different um, emails and we were traveling, doing all sort of things uh, about Uma and the upcoming premiere that we had, we had, you know, like a couple of weeks ago. And so this came fairly quickly. To us, and we're thrilled to to be part of the Georgia Latino Film Festival next week. A lot of people, actually, you know, this is actually a, an official announcement uh, on my behalf because we haven't actually announced it because of uh, most of us are you know residing in Miami and we had the Irma situation, which you all know about. So we just got back from LA and we're supposed to announce it during the weekend. Or so so we're very happy to be part of it and. And you know, uh, we're we're happy for the invitation as well today on on this interview to share with uh, everybody out there that it's live uh, watching. Now, so so first of all, did you fare well on the um, with the hurricane? I I was I was lucky enough not to be here, and today today <laughs> well that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yesterday I came back uh, about midnight, so I wasn't able to see anything. Today during the day, I saw a lot of mess. A lot of trees falling, and, and I went to the studio. We had to do a lot of unpacking and everything. And uh, a lot of people also, uh, they have, they still don't have electricity. So um, right now, I'm offering myself, you know, with the, uh, the, to help uh, some other folks that may need uh, any any help, since I do have have electricity. If they need anything, and and everybody's doing the same thing. I went to the supermarket today, and it was the shelves were empty, uh, literally. Wow. Empty. So so yeah, um, definitely I was lucky not to be here. But um, thank God, you know, it shifted 
a little bit and it didn't hit us hard. So I'm happy about that. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad everything fared out well with you. Um, and that, uh, you don't have, I mean, the fact that you have internet is a blessing <laughs> that you can join us. Who so, would be doing right now? <laughs> awesome. Um, now, so uh, like what I do with most of my guests, I like to start kind of from the beginning and, um, okay. And your story, uh, we spoke earlier today and your story is just very compelling, uh, very powerful in my opinion. And so I want to kind of at least share that story a little bit. So what I wanted to start with was, um, you were born in Venezuela. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was born in Venezuela, born and raised until, you know, uh, being half, half of my life there, my second half here in the United States and, uh, I was born and raised with a music background. My, my dad and, and relatives, you know, got very involved in the early years with music. My dad plays the Aoud, just sort of like a big mandolin, you know, and, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's into songwriting and poetry, uh, in Arabic. So, oh. and so, so he's a, you know, singer, songwriter, um, for, for many, many years and, since his uh, early uh, years, you know, as a young guy. And uh, so as I was being raised, I got that influence and I started playing different instruments. And and then I started focusing more on the guitar, becoming a songwriter. Then I moved to the United States, joined, uh, I went to Missouri to go to college first before I moved back to Florida. And that's when I joined uh like my first band, and then I got into producing music and songwriting as well through a friend of mine that influenced me a lot, uh, Kareem Kofuri, who happens to be, uh, he's American, but he happens to have a Lebanese background, which I also have a Lebanese background from my, from my dad and mom. And so we got this band rolling, and then I started getting into production, uh, you know, amateur production just for us. And then I started getting, taking it very seriously when I moved to Florida to continue my college career. And that was about 1999 before the millennium. And then, uh, and then I started doing the, the serious thing, you know, working on pro tools and doing the, the more professional music production and doing my own songwriting as well every now and then that I had the opportunity. And so for, for, you know, a good amount of years, I was doing that. Uh, at the same time, you had the, 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 the cross, the crossover of, you know, you had the Napster thing and all the mess going downwards. You know, it was like a spiral going downwards. And then, um, so doing that, I started experimenting on, on to doing music for independent films and independent, uh, productions that has to do with audiovisual, and I got really connected. And since uh, I was young, probably since I was like 16 or 17, um, watching movies, I always, uh, you know, pay attention to technical characteristics of the, of the production. Uh, and I would say things like, I would be like weird because I would say things that no one would talk about. You know, I would say like, oh, do you see, the sound of the explosion, how thick and whatever, you know, like, or, you know, like the colors, it looks very like surreal, like how the colors are done. 
Right. And now, right. you know, now they call it Da Vinci, you know, like color grading and Da Vinci. But back then, you don't understand that. You just don't know mm-hmm. how the workflow is. And, uh, and then about the transitions and, you know, how one scene gets connected to the other scene. Um, and so I had that interest. And then, uh, as, as the years passed by, um, I had the opportunity to, to produce an album of a very good friend of mine, Lorenzo Duarte, who is an ex NDO. Um, it's like the Latin Menudo, but it was like the new era, you know, the, and the, he's from Venezuela and there was a Puerto Rican. So I started producing his solo album and in one of his videos, you know, uh, as an independent artist, he, he told me, he told me, uh, you know, that he shot a video in Panama with amazing, uh, HD equipment that was like, with a very small footprint, you know, there were like these DSLR cameras. And so I did my research and I jumped on board and I bought a bunch of equipment kit of that. And, and I told him, would you let me, would you let me direct a, a video for you? And he's like, what are you talking about? Are you on crack? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to start directing, but I just need to get prepared. So he laughed at me and he's like, what do you mean? I don't understand. It's like, well, you know, what you told me about your video in Panama, I just went in Amazon and I just bought the same kit. So I'm just going to learn about it for a few months. And when I'm ready, I'm going to, I'm going to make a video. And if you don't like it, which is delete, delete it from the hard drives and that's it. And that song was Huracan, the Lagrimas. Uh, it's somewhere, it, actually somewhere, if you can find it in YouTube. Hurricane de Lagrimas in uh, Lorenzo Duarte. Um, and, and that was my first experiment. I did it like, uh, with no, with nothing, with no. Now, what was it called? Was it? Huracan with H, like Huracan de, and then Lagrimas, L-A-G-R-I-M-A-S. And his name is Lorenzo with Z Duarte. And you could probably see, you could probably see my first experiment. That was like my first experiment, uh, um, as a filmmaker. And, you know, it was most of it camera on hand. Um, I, I, I was the camera guy. I edited, I color graded, I did the whole thing. And I also did some, some little, effects like you're gonna see some fog coming from his mouth because it's supposed to be winter but it's you know it's post-production so you know that was like my my first you see like those it's got it's got some matte painting in the yes, background yeah. you yes, know yeah. it's supposed to be summer but in the in the in the video you see it like it's winter so he was he was actually melting while we were shooting the video and so so yeah, that, that was the beginning of all. And then a very good friend of mine, uh, Ivan Nava, he told me that, you know, like I should, I should take it seriously. And, and so I prepared myself to do, to, to make my first short film, uh, uh titled, um, Harmony. And pretty much that was the beginning of it, you know? Cool. Cool. So, all right, let so, me, uh, all right, let me, uh, get our- Get our faces back on camera. Now I am hearing an echo now. 
Uh, you hear, I don't hear, you no, hear an echo? Well, you can, I hear my voice. All right, it's working out okay. All right, so cool. Okay. So now, um, you, you basically, you know, went through the whole story, but let's, let's, let's step back a little bit. So, okay, your dad was, was a musician. Yeah. Okay. And uh, now someone also was, uh, he used to do poetry as well. Is that right? Like or, he, he does the poetry into, he, he combines it into the music, like as part so, of his lyrics. So he's got, he's got plenty of songs. He, he's written more than a hundred songs he's got. And, uh, you know, so he's, uh, he's into it for many, many years before, you know, I started doing the same thing, but in Spanish and English, you know. And so, of course, that's where you get your passion for music. Is that right? Or was it some, somewhere else? Yeah, that was that was the, the main inspiration. You know, in every party when I was a kid, you know, my dad will pull up the, the, the out and start playing and everybody will be like dancing and singing and stuff. So it, it came from that. Now, so you start doing music and well, first of all, what kind of what, how did you start? Like, did you start playing an instrument or did you just do it electronically? How did that come about? Um, I, I started to play in the beginning, in the very, very beginning, I used to mimic, uh, the, the themes, the soundtracks of the movie into a, into a, on a piano, on a, on a piano organ that we had at home. Cool. So I would do like single notes, you know, bam, 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 like that. You know, if I wanted to do the Star Wars or Jaws or whatever, you know, right. and my dad would tell me, you have, you have, uh, uh, you know, a, a musician's music, music. Yeah. yeah, because you can pick up the notes and, and, you know, you know, when it's right and when it's not right. So, you know, you should try to play an instruments. And then I started to play the guitar. Now, when I started to play the guitar, I was probably, I don't know, like 13 or something like that. Um, I just picked the songs that at that time they were like really popular or something just to, to have an excuse to, to get motivated, you know, right. uh, so that, that's how I started. So in the beginning, the first few years, I will be playing covers, basically. And that's how I got, uh, you know, uh, acquainted to the instrument. And then eventually, uh, I joined uh, the, my first band in, uh, in the United States, which was in St. Louis, Missouri. The band was called Paducah's Groove, uh, which, you know, it was pretty cool, the name. And, and we did our first album, and it was original music and original songwriting and everything. But I didn't, I, I participated in arrangement, like guitar arrangements, but, but not into writing itself until the second album that we started to co-produce, uh, me and Karim, uh, who, who was the lead singer and the, and the main songwriter of the band. And he talked, uh, he talked me into, into it, you know, into songwriting and he was giving me like, some exercise and how to, how to get started. And that was the beginning of my songwriting career, which hmm. it, it came out in an amazing way because at one point when I was doing the crossover into my career in, uh, as a director and filmmaker, I, I thought at one point, like, well, you know, maybe all this thing about music producing and, and songwriting, Maybe it's just gonna be for like a personal use, you know, in the end, you know, it's not like I'm producing, uh, you know, Beyonce or I'm producing, right. you know, uh, Louis Fonsi with the new reggaeton that broke the record. But, um, uh, in the end, it was the best thing I could have done in my career as a filmmaker because, um, 
as an independent filmmakers, you, you need a very strong background about music, about structure, about arrangements, and about instrumentation, um, which has to do a lot with how to tell the story that is in front, that is on the screen. And, and so when I start doing the short films, everything got reconnected again and everything made sense that, that me understanding how to use like pro tools and create arrangements musically, you could do a lot of like pre-production and you could do a lot of post-production. And, and as a director, you understand how you want to tell the story, not only visually, but also musically. So it has been a great uh, combination. When you when you uh, if you can just lower the volume just a little bit. Okay. Sorry about that. No, don't worry. It's my voice. It just it's gonna pop right through those microphones. <laughs> anyway. The, um, all right. So give me a little bit of context. So all this is happening, or majority of this is happening in Venezuela. No. No. Okay, so the music side was not happening in Venezuela? Yeah, I, I began the music in Venezuela. Then by the age of 18, I come, you know, I start going to college in America. Okay, so now in Venezuela, what was the atmosphere like? Can you describe a little bit? Because a lot of people in America do not have a clue anything about Venezuela other than, you know, the news and all that type of stuff of what's going on politically. Yeah. So give us an Venezuela, idea of what the lifestyle is like in Venezuela. Back then or right now? Well, let, let's start with back then, just to kind of give a little context of how you were in your youth and the environment around you in your youth. Venezuela, back then, it was amazing. I mean, it's an amazing country. I love, I love Venezuela. I was born there. You know, I consider myself Venezuelan slash American um, before, because it's just because, you know, that's where my people are. That's where I was raised, born and raised. And of course, I consider also myself American because I've been here so many years and, 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 and I have friends and family members that are American as well. But Venezuela is, is very special country because it's got everything that you would want from, from on, in one place. And it's more concentrated as opposed to like in America. So like, for example, in Venezuela, you could be and you are in a city and then you want to go to, 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 like to the keys. So you are, you are, let's say you are like having a good time in downtown Brickell and then you drive one hour and, and you are in the most amazing, like, uh, uh, place in the world, like where you can see the most amazing white sanded beaches and islands and, and keys. And it's called like Morrocoy. And then you go back and it's like normal. You just drove a little bit. And then if you want to go to the main city, you know, if you want to go to Caracas, it's also like nearby. Or if you want to go. So everything is like concentrated and people are, they have that spike of happiness uh, in Venezuela as, as opposed to America. You know, in America, most of the people, you work and you work and you work and, and, and you just never stop working. In Venezuela, back then people work but on Fridays you want to have a good time so so you party you go out or you drink in the plazas you know like in Venezuela there's a lot of plazas it's a very common thing you know like in Spain and and in Italy you have the 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 the, the, the piazza you know like everything is a piazza in every corner you have a plaza and in Venezuela is the same 
So like in Venezuela, everybody gathering in the street, everybody drink beer and everybody has a good, have a good time. And, and that's one of the, the, the beautiful things in Venezuela. There's no like back then, you know, like no, no one cares about religion. No one cares about if you're black, white, yellow, pink, orange, doesn't matter if you're Muslim or whatever, whoever you are, everybody's happy. Even today is the same, but it has changed. It has changed. Because now we have a social political problem. We'll talk about it later. But but back then it was a beautiful country um, and and very close to America. Uh, you know, like it would be also like, oh, let's go on vacation, and you would go to America. And the economy was very solid. You know, actually, I, I didn't know until recently um, that at one point, at one point in time, I think it was like nineteen in the nineteen fifties. Venezuelan currency, the Bolivar, was stronger than the dollar. Wow. And now, if you do the adjustment, you wouldn't believe what is the, the Bolivar against the dollar. It's something like completely devaluated and, and you know, like pulverized. And so, but yeah, it, it, it's, it was a great place to be. And the years passed by. And then I become a resident of the United States and eventually I become American a citizen, U.S. citizen. And my perfect, my perfect, you know, my dream, like how everything works perfect. It's like you have your hometown and then you have your present town. So like, okay, what if I could be here and I could be there and I could be making movies in Spanish and movies in English and combine the Latino with the American and, and do my dream come true with my people. So that, that was my, my, my idea four years ago, three years ago, while I was making my first movie, the Vuelveme La Vida. And as soon as the Vuelveme La Vida got released in Venezuela, then Venezuela's economy and the social political issues start like, you know, an avalanche. It started really, really getting uh, bad. And you probably know what's going on right now at this point. It's like even even Donald Trump is talking about it, talking about invasion. They're talking about, you know, negotiation, try to, you know, do something because a lot of people are suffering and they're starving and there's no medical uh, supplies. And it's just very sad what's happening in, in, in my country right now. And uh, but still, if you go right now, and you don't get killed or kidnapped, you would have a blast. And and that's the honest <laughs> truth. That's well, the honest I think truth. that's the same in any Latin country. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Venezuela. Venezuela. Uh, and I hear myself. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, anyway um, between the, the people, the culture, the, the music, uh, it's just, as we would call it, alegre. Um, alegre. Even, even with all the uh, the issues and problems that they have. Um, yeah, and and it's 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 sad because it's hard to describe. Um, let's say how it is in South Korea, how it is in Venezuela, how it is in a lot yeah. of countries that that are either being oppressed or they're blocking communications outside of the country and stuff like that. And so, uh, do you still have family there? I do have family there. I have cousins and I have uh, brothers and knees, etc. But the bottom line is that well, my parents. They left, and, and, and one of the reasons they left is because, you know, 
my 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 dad is getting older and older and and so you know the the situation is not comfortable for elderly people you know like uh, um if you have an issue an healthy issue we have a big problem in venezuela in terms of like you know getting getting you out there and and take you know someone going out there to take care of you and so right now a lot of people are suffering uh and, and not being taken care of immediately as as it is supposed to be and i think at this point in in life you know in the year 2017 i believe it's unacceptable you know that that you have a country that that wouldn't take care of their citizens at least on on the health uh, department especially a country like venezuela that has so much so many resources and, and and the black gold that every country dream of having and even though a lot of countries are going green we depend everybody the world depends on 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 oil and still the country is going through a, a complete recession depression and there's no food on the shelves and it's just it's very sad you know yeah so for those who don't know venezuela has a very rich oil production but the government has kind of set set it up in a way where uh i guess they gain all the money and it's not redistributed among the communities and the and the people um is that is that right is that a proper description yeah that, that's that's what i mean if if they either did something with the money and they're trying to figure it out or we don't know what's going on but the bottom line is that everybody's already everybody has been waiting for for the change you know like back in the days you know we we, we had the, the the new president which was you know Hugo Chavez and he came with a with a great idea of doing things differently and people believed in him and somewhat some things were fine others not and then things started getting bad and 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 worse and and now with the president that we have things are not getting any better things are getting worse so and then we have the opposition you know we have the other side you know like republicans and democrats in the end the people right now they don't really care at this point who who who's going to lead the country who's going to quit everybody's just pissed off and they just want a change they want to change because everybody knows that venezuela has a lot of money a lot of oil and everybody you know social media in the past decade has helped a lot people to wake up and realize hey you know like we don't need a messiah you know like we just need a group of people taking care of business and taking care of the folks in in the country and so you start seeing all these students which are like heroes you know fighting and but then uh, but there's the a lot of corruption involved there's a lot of corruption there's a lot of you know they'll say that they're shipping food and meanwhile the yeah, even, but, even the companies you know, are corrupt is that right yeah but in the end there's corruption everywhere you know yeah. like i went to italy and all the italians would be telling me like hey alan you know you know this is very corrupt place and whatever and you go to spain and they tell you the same and you go whatever you go they're going to tell you that you know they're not happy about their their situation and but i would tell them thank god you're not in venezuela right now and 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 when i tell them three things they realize that they're not as bad as venezuela and because you know they think america is like 
the, 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 the dream, you know, like, oh, if I'm in America, you know, yeah, but you're going to have to work hard and, you know, you're not going to take those breaks that you take during your panza, you know, in Italy that you have lunch and then you just sleep for three hours. That doesn't exist in America. You have to work and you have to pay your bills, you know? So, so it's pretty, it, it's funny how you, how you, you know, like the taller, the bar of tolerance, it's so different among the countries. Like to me, this is a disaster. And in Italy, this is a disaster. You know, it's like, what if I take you to my country and, and you get to this level, you're probably going to, you know, you get a heart attack or something. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's just, it's just weird. But back to Venezuela, basically uh, talking about that topic, we just want the government to come up with a solution with the, uh, with the opposition or without, you know, to go back to reelection. People right now are not believing in no one. They so wait, now they they sell themselves as like it's a democracy, right? Do they believe it's a democracy? Well, supposedly it's a democracy, but but, right, but it's, it's not. I mean, because it's, uh, it's it's just weird. It's a democracy, but then they tell you that if you tweet something, you know, you get in trouble or whatever. We don't we don't know what's gonna happen, but I guess I guess they're gonna ha- have to come up with an agreement and with a new strategy because now people internationally are not agreeing with them. A lot of people were quiet. A lot of countries were quiet. And I think in the end, somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna realize, you know, if we're trying to cover the sun with a, with our thumb, you know, we were wrong. So we're gonna have to actually do something about this problem. Right. Wow. So, all right. So we, we've covered a little bit of ground on as far as the country um, yeah. and, and kind of how it was when you were young and, and, and your, and basically how you got from point A to point B in terms of your talent. Now, you're Latino. You're making, uh, at least in terms of Uma, uh, which I was watching earlier today, it's a Spanish-speaking movie. Correct. Um, but and then, then in the music, is the, are all the songs Spanish? Actually, the songs, because the movie was shot in Italy and it had a little portion of uh, Italian uh, uh, speaking, um, dialogues, uh, we decided to go with the songs written in Italy because the song, the, the, the two songs that were written were, uh, adapted to the scenes and like one scene is in a bar. So like, and you're in Italy. So, you know, we wanted to be Italian. And then another song was the same thing in the family house. And so, um, I wanted to give that contrast, um, to combine both. Okay. So I'm uh, going to take a quick break to show the trailer to Uma, which is okay. what you submitted to the Georgia Latino Film Festival. Is that right? Uh, actually, no, we submitted the full movie. Right. Uh, but the trailer, of course, the trailer is uh, what they see in the package, in the press kit. Excellent. So I'm going to show the trailer and okay. we're going to let people see what that looks like. Excellent. Enjoy. Menos frío se siente. Esa es mi historia con Leo, el amor de mi vida, el amor que de repente el destino decide cambiarlo todo. Debemos disminuir la dosis del tratamiento, esperar que el su cuerpo reaccione. 
Cercherò di fare il possibile per aiutarti. Ricci, dove sta Leo? Troverò un accidente. Siempre te lo decía y ante Paula Y ahora el que teme soy yo No trabajo con Román, lo siento mucho Perdí mi viaje Ya no me voy a quedar tranquila Hasta que usted me prometa que va a salvar a Leo La verdad no pensé que fuese a venir Estoy aquí, comencemos ya Yo estoy contigo Bueno, es lo malo. no vamos a llegar a ninguna parte. ¿Cómo me va a calmar si todo el mundo cree que yo soy la culpable de este accidente? Now that movie is some deep, deep, deep love story. Yeah, uh, give me a little uh, bit of background on Uma. Tell, tell me about how that came about. Uma, well, you know, I had this idea back then and sharing also with, with other folks, friend of mine. And it, the idea was put on hold uh, while I was doing uh, my, my debut film, The Vuelve Me La Vida. And then, uh, after we shot the film, The Vuelve Me La Vida, we were talking already about making the next film. And because of what was happening already, uh, in Venezuela and in general with, with, uh, you know, drugs, cartels and stuff like that in Mexico and all that stuff, we had an idea to, to go along that path. But then I thought that it would be nice if, if I changed the subject so that my first two films are not like back to back specifically on the same genre and, 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 you know, take advantage that I'm, that I'm just beginning as a filmmaker to experiment. And so I, I, this love story was on the table and we decided to start developing it. And we, Epic Emotion, we partnership with, uh, with a Trinity production, um, uh, which is Natalia De Negri, uh, the executive producer and the owner of the, of that production company. And when we joined venture, you know, you know, we decided as a team, you know, they told me, Alan, why don't you just go to Italy and, and figure it out, you know, go out there, find out how, you know, how much it takes to make a movie there, how complicated it would be if you want to tell a full story in, in Italy or in another country in Europe. But I wanted to do Italy because I have a lot of friends that are, Italian, Venezuelan. And, and so there's, there's like this little Italy that I have in my heart since I was a young uh, kid. And so I went to Italy just to test it out. <laughs> yeah, <Me too. laughs> exactly. You, you got some Italian background. Um, and so basically when I went to Italy, I, I met, uh, um, uh, Rino Piccolo and Andrea Rapalini, the two uh, co-producers of Uma. And this is like way before we shot the film. It was just like a trip. Like, okay, I'm just going to go there a week and figure it out. And, and so, you know, like I realized that it wasn't as complicated and they really embraced me to do it fully in, 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 in Italy and not to go back to the other story and produce another movie or whatever. 
And so I didn't end up making UMA in between Latin America and United States. And I end up doing the whole movie in Italy, which uh, there's not a better place than to, to shoot a romance drama film than Italy. So I agree hundred percent. So, so, you know, that's how it was born. And then when I came back, we, we saw, we saw everything like how it was going to work. And we start, uh, you know, there was a team, there were like three, four, uh, in total, we were five people co-writing the story. And then after we co-wrote the story, the, the five people, we went into the, the, the script writing process as well. And, and that's it. And the rest is uh, history, you know, and right now we're very happy because we're going to Georgia Latino Film Festival, but we're coming from LA this past weekend in Burbank International Film Festival and we received um, the best future uh, foreign film. So, I mean, that, that was great, you know, that's so awesome. like, awesome. this is like the, the film festival cycle. So we're enjoying the beginning of, of sharing the movie because this is actually like the first time you start receiving feedback and you know how it yeah, is, you, you know, it's like the results of your work and how people are, are, are yeah, reacting. You know, to it's, it's a long cycle. You know, you, this is like, I don't know, like four years ago, the idea of, of the story, then you write, you have the script writers put together like what, like a year and a half ago. And now the movie's done. So you have like a year and a half cycle. Mm. No one knows anything about the movie, but you keep talking all the time about the movie. So all your friends is like, so how's the movie? How's the movie? When am I going to see the movie? When am I going to see the movie? <laughs> exactly. A year and a half later, you go to a film festival and they're like, okay, so congratulations, but when am I going to see the movie? You know, so it's like a never ending story. <laughs> well, now story. let me give you, let me just rewind a little bit. Um, so for those who are just following us or just joining us, so, so he's a filmmaker from Venezuela, comes to the United States after he was doing music in Venezuela and then continued to do music here. Watched a friend do a, like a music video, realized, wow, the, the camera is like the weapon, went out, bought equipment, Literally, taught, yeah. taught, taught himself all aspects of the equipment and just gung-ho started shooting. Did start, did a music video first as an experiment, played around with it. He knew a little bit about post-production and he, 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 you know, did all that and added the color effects and stuff. He mentioned Da Vinci, which is a really high end, uh, it used to be, it used to be like three to $5,000 application to color correct, uh, you know, cause sometimes light bulbs, yellow things and tint things yeah. and stuff. Um, and, and, and you want to control how your image looks. Taught himself all that. And now the, 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 the commercial you just saw is his second film. And the cinemata the cinematography is gorgeous. He's in Europe, which it's almost hard not to have good cinematography in Europe and in Italy for that matter, much, and, and also in Florence for that. Exactly. And, and so <laughs> now I'm going to quick, show a quick glimpse of the first movie you mentioned, which I, I showed clips before as you we were talking, but, um, before we go deeper into Uma, because I want to have questions about that, tell me a little bit more about um, "Give My Life Back." I just want to uh, give my yeah. give back, give me back my life, which in yeah. Espanol se dice como devuélveme la vida. Devuélveme la vida. So, 
Uh, I'm going to play a quick clip. Um, okay. I'll play it with sound, sure. Let's do that. Ya se Me comuniqué con el LAPD. Y allí me precisa que el novio de Daisy está siendo investigado por tráfico de drogas. Ahora mismo tengo una madre que está envuelta en problemas de adicciones y la hija sufre mucho. Te entiendo, amiga. Tengo miedo, Tico. No quiero que me quiten a mi mamá. Dos semanas monitoreando a Chupeta y no sabes que eres mía. Escuchaste a la jueza Smith. Para un dos años. Yo ya no sé qué decirle. Lo primero es tu salud, mi amor. Siempre me hace That's your first film. Now, it's very rare to see someone's first film be that good. Now, there's, there's, there's some talent out there, don't get me wrong, but uh, one, it's a very dramatic, kind of almost like action-packed type of feel. Uh, and what I love is the richness of color. You know, yeah, the, so, first film, the first film, uh, color-wise, we went a little bit richer. Uh, than the second one. The second one, we want to play with that, you know, dirt, uh, golden, uh, feel that Italy has, uh, on, on the buildings and, and the infrastructure. That's what you commonly see. And so I didn't want to go opposite to that, except the scenes in the clinic that I, that I play different with it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I've been, uh, I think, uh, in, in, in my two films, I've been focusing, I've been shifting uh, from my technical aspect of, of learning curve in my career. Um, even though I was self-taught uh, to, to, to be a filmmaker and director and cinematographer, etc. Um, and that's in a seven-year window. It's a seven-year window, but I, I worked a lot. It's, it's the self-teaching the, the self, uh, uh, was with a lot of workshop, a lot of tutorials. And with the top of the people, you know, like we had a uh, technology, we have YouTube, we have online workshops. And so like I had a lot of time to invest on it. So, you know, like six months of hard work, it, it was the equivalent of three years, four years. If you would go to college, 
I got the same knowledge, but I, I squeeze it in time. My parents thought that I was crazy back then, but you know, that's what I did. And, and because I've been passionate about movies since I was a kid, but we didn't have the technology to take that leap of faith. There's not excuse, you know, there, that's not Hold excuse. Hold on, wait, well, well there's, there's, we're not talking but, about excuse. But, you know, I, I'm a very visual guy and I wasn't going to grab, you know, like, uh, like, a, you know, like a tiny camera and try to do something and I don't have a equipment to do to try to get there. And it just wasn't my, my, my motive back then. I wasn't ready for it. Basically, I wasn't ready for it. And, and, you know, in 2009, 2010, I, I, I was ready. And I, and I've been taking advantage of technology. Don't get me wrong also. You know, like one thing is to grow as a filmmaker, um, you know, and grow as a storyteller or whatever. But, um, another thing is to grow technically using the technology. And so I've been too focused on technology and you, and really, really, I take advantage on, on the equipment, on the technology. On, on how to use the lighting, how to use the lenses in your favor, how to play in post-production in your favor. And the, the learning curve is shifting now on, I'm taking more time on the scripts. I'm taking more budget on the scripts so that the stories are told more profound, more detailed with a much more commercial structure. And that's what you're going to start seeing. You see it in Uma, a yeah. big improvement. But in the next, in the upcoming films, you're going to see a much bigger improvement because... Now, that's I'm called uh, Uma versus the Transformers, right? Uh, Uma. <laughs> Uma versus yeah, the no. Transformers. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, so, so, the, so there's a big problem here. So the problem is, one, you're in the United States. Two, you're Latino. So as a Latino, you're not supposed to be able to know all this stuff. You're not supposed to have these skills. You're not supposed to have uh, talent. You know, we're, we're, as Latinos, we're supposed to be like the, the the bottom of the pile. We're supposed to be in the, the ground be picking berries. Yeah. There How is, is that mentality affecting the work you're doing? Well, you know, uh, as a filmmaker in America, you know, uh, you, you are, you, you cannot be on, on, on top of the pie. Uh, as a Latino, it's very hard, especially if you tell the story in Spanish. Now, the reason why I wanted to make this first to film in Spanish is just because I want to start, I wanted to start from my roots and I really want to take my time because I, I'm young, you know, I'm, I'm just 40 years old and I consider myself on a, on a very fast paced rhythm into making films. So it, it would be a good way to comfortably learn the curve before I jump into a more technical, crazy, you know, like unions and, 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 and all this crazy thing when you get into an American film, which you would get into a lot of obstacles and, and you also need to be ready. It doesn't mean that with Latinos you don't need to be ready. You need to be ready because I mean More I, so I work than, with than I work with first actors and everything. But but because we are on the same page, we're trying to make films as a niche in America. It, so we are on the same boat. You know, like okay, let's push it. Let's keep on pushing. 
And so the same thing with the music videos. Um, we'll try to go for this. But, however, I have to say that I'm very happy with what's, hot, what's happening in the main industry, and then, you know, here in America, the Hollywood industry, because they, they are opening the doors for Latinos. You start to see more Latinos more, more often than before. You have amazing uh, Latin directors um, being recognized. Latin directors. Yeah, Academy Award winning and Golden Globe and all that. And so they open the door for the little ones that are trying to become and grow and, 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 and become known in this industry that is so big, but it's like a black hole. It absorbs you. Uh, you know, if you're a tiny light, the black hole absorbs your light and you, you're unseen. And, and the reason why I say this is because independent film, uh, independent films in America, if you do it in Spanish, you have a very tiny footprint of possibility for distribution. So you have to reinvent yourself and you have to go abroad and, and find different stra strategies. And so, um, it, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of guts to do this and to keep pushing it and to be successful. And I'm lucky that I I'm, I'm being able to do it uh, in the independent side uh, of this industry. And hopefully eventually, you know, I'll, I'll be able to do um, bigger projects with more ambitious, you know, uh, productions and, and, and all that. But in the meantime, you have to enjoy to uh, what you're doing with what you have. You know, if you have, if you have, what is it? You know, this is it. And that's it. If you have a crew of five people or 10 people on set, or if you have a 50 people, you know, then so be it. So that's my next question. So here you are. Um, second film. One, how'd you get any capital to do it? Two, what were those difficult things to figure out in Italy? Now, uh, I did go to school in Italy, but I did nothing with film in Italy. So what kind of infrastructure is there in Italy for filmmaking? Infrastructure for filmmaking, actually in Italy, it's much better than in America in terms of like the film commissions. For example, oh, in Italy, okay. they, have, they, have, they have film commissions that provide you the infrastructure services to help you put together your production. And depending on the region, you find the right one to help you and support you. And of course you have to pay for the service, but it becomes a simple thing. It's like LA film, but everywhere. So, you know, like you go to LA and you have this thing called LA film and you go online and they show you locations and all that. And it's fairly simple, but then if you go to Alaska, you're not going to know that. So, you know, like there, everywhere, they can help you find places. And then um, because Italy, it's relatively small, it's easy on one city to talk about many cities and get all the support and get all the help. So even before you go to the next city, you already know that you can pull it off. And... The way you pull it off, Italy, it has to do with, it's a combination of a first world country and a third world country in terms of like how people get things done. And so sometimes, you know, it's like American, oh, you need to go through this application. This application takes a couple of weeks. 
and then we will send you an email. Oh, okay. And then you have to wait two weeks and so on and so forth. But then you have this other side of it that is like, eh, come on, man. Hey, ragazzo, per favore. <laughs> and he will be like, ah, okay, give me two days. <laughs> In Italy, you have to negotiate everything. <laughs> you have to negotiate. Here, no. Here, you have a protocol. And they do make exceptions every now and then with permits and stuff. And so, yeah, that's how we start getting the permits. And then the clinic, we literally rented it for like a week or something like that. And we close half of it and just. So, okay, you know, now, how do you do, how do you approach the financing to even do something like that? Well, the financing, we had a lot of like soft money, uh, sponsors and, and then the hard money. And, and, and that's how you, we combine it all. And. You know, we have the co-production from the producers in Italy, and then we have the co-production from Trinitus Production, and that's how we join in forces. And going by stages doesn't mean that when you finish the movie, you still have money. It's like you finish the movie and you run out of money, and then you need to keep racing to go on, on the post-production stage. And it's the, in, it's the independent way, you know, it's like, it's like uh, the nine to five work to pay your bills at the end of the week or at the end of the month. It's pretty much the same thing. You you get some stress, you get some ups and downs, you get scary. You know, like uh, on the trailer, you saw the car the car accident. Yeah, and that, that's a real car accident. It's a professional stunt guy, and, and he actually flips the car. Right. And the problem is now. Were there that, any pumps? This, there's like a little pump so, yeah. so you can, yeah. So, but what happened is that, you know, when you, when you're going to do that stunt, uh, they tell you, I cannot guarantee you how many flips you're going to have. Hmm. You know, it could actually go wrong and it, it goes like that and it slides, you know, like a skate and then, but that's it. And so, and, and if you want to repeat it, then it's because, you know, you're, you have a big production and you have a budget to do it again, to do it another day and spend more money and fine. And we, we didn't, you know, we had to make it in one shot. And the first time he did it, um, I still haven't released the behind the scene, but I, I will eventually. The first time he did it, the ramp to flip the attach halfway. So the car you know, didn't do it, and he had to, like, skip it. When he skipped the ramp, the wheel, the rim, bent. So oh. one wheel would be like, whoa, whoa, like that, you know? So I said, that's it. We're screwed. So he said, uh -huh. you know, I'm going to do it again. And, but yeah, but the wheel is messed up. Don't worry, I'm going to do it again. So he went back. In reverse, whoa, he went back like, I don't know, 500 yards and then again, boom. And, and the second time the accident went well. And actually, if, you know, the way we edited it, we didn't go beyond, but if I wanted to extend it, I could have because that car flipped so many times. It wasn't even funny. Everybody would start running to him to find out if he was okay because he stays in the car with like a rope and he like bends, you know? And so it, it, it was crazy. We were very scary because if it didn't happen, then we probably, the accident would have been probably like a fade to black. And then you hear the sound of like, and you know, but we were lucky. So now, um, would you mind if I show that accident or would you prefer people to watch the movie to see it? 
you can sh- you can show it. It's in the tra- it's on the trailer. It's on the trailer. They oh, saw the trailer, it already. Right. Yeah, yeah, they saw it already. <laughs> yeah. So, so all right. So you you're you're a guy who has obviously romantic heart. You're able to demonstrate that visually. You have the talent. Of, you have the eye to show like beautiful scenario and cinematography. Um, the music videos, as I was showing as you were speaking, you know, I I, I don't want to like stop and show. So I wanted to show it as you were talking about the different things that you do. Um, you have for, for the short amount of time that you've been working, uh, in, shooting video and film and stuff like that. You have a good amount of solid, let's say, portfolio pieces, for lack of better words. Um, and now you want to do some more mainstream type of work. Yeah, what, you're, you're about to you're about to start on your third film. Is that right? I'm I'm working on on different stories to see which one to take the path for the next film, and and definitely the next film will be in English. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna flip the coin, and it'll be more mainstream in terms of like the language to be a worldwide, you know, like a universal language, which is English. Uh, and, and then it'll probably have some Spanish because it'll probably be a couple of Latin actors will definitely be there. But the reason why I push this, it's, it's not because of my hard work, but because of the hard work of, of everybody that is working with me. Like when I make music videos, I have Jefferson Cardenas, who is an amazing director and cinematographer and editor. And, you know, we are connected. And when we work, we connect and we do great things together. And, but when I make my films, uh, you know, like the music, like you said, uh, it's under Jaime Cardona, who's a Colombian guy. He's an amazing composer. You know, Uma was written. Every single note of the movie was written by Jaime Cardona. And then he took everything to, to the city of Prague Philharmonic to record it with the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, every single note that he wrote on every single instrument on a 75-piece orchestra. And and when you see that, and when you're in Prague in the studio, in the big, big studio, and you see like 120 microphones, and you see the the Pro Tools synthesized pre-production music come to life with original players, you are like, Wow, I'm blessed. This is not me. I'm not, you know, it's not about me. I'm blessed because he's on my team. We are partners and we right. work together. And so, you know, there's no, you know, you have to have a big team in order to move forward. And between Trinitus Production, uh, with Henry Saka, executive producer and partner, and then Natalia De Negri, who is uh, our co-producer and, and partner as well. And then you have Jaime Cardona. You know, we feel we feel blessed because we can actually push the limits on this very, very, very complicated industry. And you know that. It's a very hard industry to break through. But we're doing it because we love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it as, as long as I can. Well, all right. So... One last question, because I know you have to run to an airport. Um, what would you advise someone who is not at your level yet? They, they're like, oh, I have a passion for film. I want to be able to do this myself. What would you say would be your first steps? The first steps, what I recommend anybody is to not to worry about error. 
uh, not worry about failure and, and just go out there and shoot, film. But what you have to do is that you have to look at your work like as you look at yourself in the mirror every morning, every day, and you just keep evaluating your work. And one great tool that I used to use, I used to have uh, next to me all the time is that if I wanted to do something in terms of like camera movements, I look for camera movement shots made, crafted by the leaders in, in the industry. And if I want to find great acting uh, on my work before I judge it, I will have compilations of what's considered great acting. And the same thing with, um, with the color grading process and the same thing with the storytelling. But in the end, you have to go out there and you have to do it. You know, right now you have iPhones shooting at 4K. You know, the iPhone, and 60 frames a second. The iPhone stabilizes your shot. So you can actually do like steady cam with your fingers <laughs> while, while we, when I shoot on a movie, you need actually a real steady cam that it's, you know, it's not cost effective. It gets you a great result, but it's a complex thing. So if you want to, if you want to get good at what you want to do with, with no budget, Go with your iPhone and, and do it. And then when, and then when you be, become better at it, you can buy a camera, you know, a $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 camera. And then eventually you can get on a, onto a bigger range camera. And then, and if you have the money and you want to make the jump, make the jump. But the equipment is not going to give you the solutions. You need to, you need to test and you need to see the result and you need to have the courage to to compare you need to put your work with the work that is considered a great work out there and and be realistic and if your work sucks then you need to improve it and then that's how you need to do it that's i do it myself and i every time you do something in the end you say i wish i could do it again because you know you would do it better and that goes with the volume of la vida that goes with Uma, that goes with every video that I that I've shot, uh, music video, and it's it's always like that because you realize that that if you don't if you don't prepare yourself, uh, you're never gonna be satisfied, and because when you prepare yourself, you're still not satisfied, so to speak. <laughs> awesome. Now, where can people find you? Um, How would you like them to follow you? Uh, people find me, uh, you know, the movie, it's umademovie.com and my website, it's alanmikey.com and then all my social media, it's alanmikey.com and I'm, I'm always constantly uh, connected to the social media networks to, to keep everybody posted with what's going on and uh, right now we're going to enjoy the journey of Uma. It's going to have a, a few months of a journey with the film festivals. Hopefully, it'll do uh, fairly well or very well. We'll see how it goes. We had a good start last week. Awesome. And awesome. looking forward to – you're going to be in Georgia Latino Film Festival next week, I should right? Be there, yes. All right. So, so we'll hang out there and, you know, we'll keep, on, we'll keep on touring. I didn't do any music, but I'm doing it now in film, so it's great. Awesome. So, uh, well, first, I want to thank you um, so much for joining us and for giving us the time. Uh, I know you have to go, so I'm not, I'm not going to keep you any longer. 
I'm very blessed. Thank you guys for joining those who have watched it either live or on replay. Please share. It's a great story to, to, to start from the beginning to the end and within seven years and to have such beautiful films and to see the beginning of someone's career is just awesome and, and powerful. And it just makes me appreciate the fact that I'm able to do these interviews that much more. So, uh, one, let's smile at the camera so I can use it for a screenshot. And let's say goodbye to the audience. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining. And thank you, George Latino Film Festival. We'll be doing some coverage live there uh, if you uh, can join us, everybody. And that's it. So thank you so much for joining, everybody. I keep saying that, don't I? Have a great day.